What door is that? You've opened all the others. Why do you pass that one by? Oh, that. That's only number three. A mere closet, gentlemen, responded the landlord in a pleasant voice. To be sure, we sometimes use it as a sleeping room when we are hard pushed. Jake, the clerk you saw below, used it last night. But it's not on our regular list. Do you want a peep at it? Most assuredly, as you know, it's our duty to see every room in this house, whether it is on your regular list or not. All right, I haven't the key of this one with me. But yes, I have. There, gentlemen, he cried, unlocking the door and holding it open for them to look inside. You see, it no more answers the young lady's description than the others do. And I haven't another to show you. You have seen all those in front. And this is the last one in the rear. You'll have to believe our story. The old lady never put foot in this tavern. The two men he addressed peered into the shadowy recesses before them. And to one of them, a tall and uncommonly good-looking young man of stalwart build and unusually earnest manner, stepped softly inside. He was a gentleman farmer living near recently appointed deputy sheriff on account of a recent outbreak of horse-stealing in the neighborhood. I observe, he remarked, after a hurried glance about him, that the paper on these walls is not at all like that she describes. She was very particular about the paper, said that it was of a muddy pink color, and had big scrolls on it which seemed to move and crawl about in whirls as you looked at it. This paper is blue and striped. Otherwise, let's go below, suggested his companion, who, from the deference with which his most casual word was received, was evidently a man of some authority. It's cold here, and there are several new questions I should like to put to the young lady. Mr. Quimby, this to the landlord. I've no doubt you're right, but we'll give this poor girl another chance. I believe in giving everyone the utmost chance possible. My reputation is in your hands, Coroner Golden, was the quiet reply. Then, as they both turned, my reputation against the word of an obviously demented girl. The words made their own echo. As the third man moved to follow the other two into the hall, he seemed to catch this echo for he involuntarily cast another look behind him, as if expectant of some contradiction reaching him from the bare and melancholy walls he was leaving. But no such contradiction came. Instead, he appeared to read confirmation there of the landlord's plain and unembittered statement. The dull blue paper with its old-fashioned and uninteresting stripes seemed to have disfigured the walls for years. It was not only grimy with age, but showed here and there huge discolored spots, especially around the stovepipe hole high up on the left-hand side. Certainly, he was a dreamer to doubt such plain evidences as these. Yet, here his eye encountered Quimby's, and pulling himself up short, he hastily fell into the wake of his comrade, now hastening down the narrow passage to the wider hall in front. 
Had it occurred to him to turn again before rounding the corner, but no. I doubt if he would have learned anything even then. The closing of a door by a careful hand, the slipping up behind him of an eager and noiseless step. What is there in these to reawaken curiosity and fix suspicion? Nothing. When the man concerned is Jacob Quimby, nothing. Better that he failed to look back. It left his judgment freer for the question confronting him in the room below.